using a reference to to um, energy <coughs> in the uh, not in the sense of virya, which is uh, applied energy, but if you like uh, potential energy or the energy or the vitality of the of our body mind system. Mm-hmm. Uh, brightness of it or the it seems over excited or bustling and or it feels rather flat and low that, that quality I'm trying to find ways to bring this this uh, energy into balance so the healing energy or uh, stabilizing mm-hmm. this is what affects the, the chitta it affects the body as well the body feels um, toned or bright when it feels low affects the chitta in a similar way <coughs> You might say it's the, the, if you likened our system to having electric uh, current in it, you could say it's the voltage, it's the charge of that, whether that is, uh, if the charge is too strong, the wiring starts to get burnt out. It's too low, too low, you don't get the light. Doesn't light bulb, doesn't shine. So it's a matter of being able to regulate that, that current. Sometimes people are chronically imbalanced or get go into imbalances. Most of us go into imbalances. Mm. And that's registered as an emotional uh, effect. Mm. So the, the way that the, the, that the chitta interprets that uh, charge is, is emotional or emotive mm. that's that's the that's when that particular charge is picked up or signals so we get lows depressed uh, doubt uh, uh, dullness reluctant uh, lack of confidence loss of faith and so forth it's a kind of low uh, energy mm. Too, if it gets too high, if it's excited, tense, um, touchy, uh, something like that, could be or forceful, pushing too hard, mm-hmm. restless, things of this nature. So these particular phenomena can occur to all of us. Sometimes they say we have more disposition towards one end of the spectrum and towards the other. <coughs> but when it's registered in, in, in chitta, uh, it very much becomes our sense of self. So chitta is the seat of the, uh, you know, the experience of selfhood mm-hmm. you know, as a kind of mood. It, it's a chitta effect. The jitta takes a tonality you know, a particular tonality, and then 
makes it into a generalization. So, you know, if we feel hurt, it's not a little bit of me that feels hurt, the whole thing feels, I feel hurt, I feel depressed or sad or whatever. Um, So this kind of universality of of a particular tone, and then that that becomes uh, the dominant key in which I'm operating. And when one has these things in, in chronic, to a chronic degree, even if it's not that great, then we develop particular strategies to compensate for that. You know, if our key is is a is a minor key, you know, or you kind of go flat, then one develops things or strategies to to um, <coughs> to protect that or to uh, justify it or to make conditions operate that won't you know, bring around conditions that make their lives manageable. So we might find ourselves a lot of uh, low they need for security, protection, um, structures, forms, things that uh, uh, mean that we don't get, uh, we don't have to um, you know, rise up too much. Similarly, but on the other extreme, if you if the tendency is to be a bit more hyper, then you know, structures and forms can be um, seem like barriers and obstacles. And things that prevent one's free flow, as it were. And it's also very much the way this affects our relationship to things other than ourself, the external situations, uh, which we tend to seek compensation for our own inner lack or inner um, deficiencies. Mm. Um, I suggest that for most of us, these things are not that that chronic because we have been able to to meditate and and uh, you know live in a community and so on. There's some sense of being able to uh, we're not absolutely stuck, but we probably tend to fluctuate, and particular situations tend to take us into a down mode or an up mode. Mm. So being able to uh, look at these things much less in terms of self and what I am, (coughs) much more in terms of, well, you begin to recognize a particular tonality. One is feeling overcharged uh, or slightly dragging or highly... uh, more kind of sensitive to to what's going on around and feeling it and wanting to pull away from it, or wanting to get something going in it. 
you know, it's not not happening here. It's boom, there's some movement happening. So I think there's these kinds of, of ways in which these energy patterns manifest themselves. And of course, if we don't catch them, then they do proliferate out onto the world around us. Um, <coughs> If we just see them as emotional states, we take them quite personally and um, not really capable of of, of discharging that, those states. But seeing them as energies, and one can use um, contemplation, meditation exercises to to uh, balance energy. This is what uh, samadhi is about. Actually, the energy becomes steady, stable, calm, suffusive, bright, strong. Mm. Yeah. This has the power to, to at least temporarily uh, heal or realign our, our energy patterns. Problem can be that if one, unless one develops some panya, some wisdom around that, we can, when we come out of samadhi, just go straight back into the old patterns again, because they are associated with their ways of thinking, our attitudes, our emotional states, so on. So ideally, we develop samadhi and then we begin to uh, contemplate sense contact, um, how things affect us our takes, our views, our attitudes towards life, the world, ourself, and so on. When you use uh, mindfulness of body, being able to detect these um, flows in the, in the body. It's important to establish correct understanding of the posture of the body because that is, that is quite important in using the, the physical form as a way of, of establishing balance. <coughs> so if you have too much energy, the tendency is to tighten up, to <coughs> tightened. And particularly in the shoulders, the throat, you can feel yourself that's knotting in the solar plexus and it's kind of tightening up. And you can become too uh, tense like that. Whereas the opposite extreme is you grad- one gradually goes like a candle in the sun, you know, melt- melting down. Um, you get the, the bowed position, which is when the energy is just. It's dropping, and one is used to that, or it's accustomed to that, and just go, goes in. You don't actually know how to pull out of it. Because it's not really a matter of forcing, you know, just being able to push the body up is going to do it, but actually, uh, you know, that acts as a, as a, as like a template, but really the mind has to, 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 to do the, uh, do the work. And it's not, neither is it a matter of, of willfully, you know, pushing energy around but just using attention because the mind itself is is a, has energy in it you know 
the power of, of citta is an energetic experience. When I say energetic, I'm sure I don't mean it's necessarily vigorous, but it, it operates through uh, responsive energy. You know? So if you shift your mind's attention and its attitudes, it automatically um, changes energy. As we might recognize if we you know, look at something and think, you know, all these things I've got to do because I... And you can feel yourself dropping, you know, depression, you know, or, you, or one might feel, oh, lovely, nice people here, you can feel yourself lifting. And, and any, probably in any, any situation we can find ourselves doing that. And a tendency may be to look at, to, to see the gloomy or the sad side of things, or it could be to see the joyful and the inspiring side of things. Um. <coughs> yeah. Or it could be something that's that's hyper, which means seeing all the things that have to be done. You know, which is when your energy is just pushing up too much. It makes us see all these things we, you know, we've got to get busy for. They need to be managed and, and impossible to do unless I get going. You know, energy just goes shooting up. <laughs> yeah. So it it, it can. You know, you can go. You can go these different ways, and I expect for all of us, we have, we have those particular registers on our on our scale. So you see how how the mental attitude, uh, the way the mind works, um, all are quite are very significant in in how energy operates. So. You know, the body acts as a place whereby at least the energy doesn't take over, so that the mind is 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 um, held into a particular energy pattern by the bodily energy. Mm. So if your body energy is, is is going flat and you don't know how to to bring around the you know the good posture and the supportive mental attitude, the likelihood is that you'll just remain in that and feel embedded in it. So body work, body is important as a, as a basis, and mentality, mental sensitivity, mental attitude is is important. Mm-hmm. So faith, devotion, uh, enthusiasm, uh, these kind of these definitely are up qualities, and then calm, dispassion, letting go. You know, these are these are kind of down, you know, relinquishment qualities, and they tend to to help energy to settle down, patience, so forth. Uh, it's, it's very, and as soon as one even thinks of those terms, you can you your mind knows that or feels that. Uh, <coughs> some of these, and then we can see which which are the most difficult ones. You really find faith difficult, or perhaps uh, you know, enthusiasm difficult. And one seems that probably one's energy is 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 of the going to, into the down modes, or the being patient and uh, um, taking one's time is difficult. The energy is probably bristling up. It does seem that the um, 
the spine and the, the upright axis of the body is, is significant. In people who study these things, they look at particular currents. And one is an up-down loop current circuit, which is approximating in line with the spinal axis. One is something that circles around the body, something that spreads around the body like a, like a, like a, like a donut, like you're sitting in a little donut. And one is something that spirals out, you know, so it goes in the spiral and shoots out. And uh, this is what people who look into these things or detect these things come up with, which we can you know, accept or not, whatever. But at least this, it's useful to bear these things in mind. <coughs> um, and then breathing in and out. The Buddhist practice, breathing in and out. <coughs> Noticing, well, there is an, an energetic effect on breathing in and out. And this is a very standard uh, Dhamma practice, breathing in and out, said to give rise to uh, samadhi and other enlightenment factors. And the Buddha's emphasis, on many occasions, on this quality of bodily well-being which uh, when you recognize that he was, didn't mean, you know, bathtubs and banana splits and beaches, which uh, would be all right, I'm sure, <laughs> some of our imaginations. But um, saying, no, you can do it another way. Uh, and so <laughs> it's sort of like, push that away, a little image, <laughs> and uh, come back to... <laughs> You know, there's another way of doing this that he thought was better. Because <laughs> you, you, know, you can do it anywhere, and you, you, it's more independent. Mm. And this is samadhi, so then you're saying the body's then drenched, suffused, not one part of the body that's not drenched and suffused with uh, happiness and, and pleasure, rapture and ease. Like massaging, pressing this into the body as the images of someone <coughs> making... Um, lava out of dry soap powder and, and water. You know. So in a way, we kind of take the, you know, the, the rigidity of the body, you know, the seeming inertness of it, and then the seemingly formless quality of the mind. Uh, you know, like the dry powder and the water, and we mix them together. The body and the mind mixed together <laughs> produces this particular quality um, of samadhi. And they mix, where, do they, where do they meet? Where do they join? And it's very, very much in how our attitudes and attention um, meet the bodily form um, in its dynamic state. Uh, so not just as a visual perception, but actually as a tactile, here and now, vibrant experience. And that place is... You know, when we say this is a place, what, what, I, what I mean by energy is that particular place where those two, where the, our, act, our attention and attitudes meet the tactile touchability of the body, you know, which is a sense, you know, uh, a, a bodily consciousness. So we're not, we're not talking just about the external form as as, as inert matter, 
but uh, embodiment rather than the body, if you like. How we a sense attuned to and aware of and bring an attitude to bear upon the this touchability, uh, this uh, aliveness of the body consciousness through this form. Where say mindfulness of breathing is one of the practices for that. If you have a very uh, uh, <coughs> something that's flowing and moving, it's subtle. And it can seemingly move right along that up-down axis, um, which seems to be a crucial axis for establishing balance. So if we're too down, it can bring us up. If we're too up, it can bring us down. The idea is eventually we are stabilised within that. So I think useful to find, um, you know, detect those tones in, in the breathing. When does it feel like you're toning up? When does it feel like you're kind of quietening down, you might say? And to see that both of those are, are significant. You know, so practice is not just about quietening down, it's also about toning up. It's not just about toning up, it's about quieting down. You know, so we, we get, you know, because all of that up and down is all okay, probably doesn't get stuck. You know, permanently up or permanently down or unable to to understand it or see it or um, let go of the, any afflictive mental states that occur with that. So if we contemplate how breathing affects us, It affects the body, affects our sensitivity. The toning, you might say toning up or charging, a slight brightening of tone and then a quietening. And uh, coming into rhythm is to be able to, to discern or feel that ebb flow, ebb flow. And the Buddha instructions seem to equate this with the breathing in, breathing out, which is emphasized with every section of Anapanasati. So from the fully you know, brightened to the fully quietened. Uh, and as our attention, our citta, tunes into that, then this can help to slough off the dull, you know, if we can fully brighten, it can slough off uh, uh, the, the dull, the reluctant, the uh, depressed. And if we can fully attune to, to the, the down, it can slough off the tension, impatience, you know, bristly states. So the, eventually, you know, we, we come to a quality of of energy which is which is full, and then the tonality of our mind becomes more even through the completion of it. We're not really once we've used that uh, full extension, um, then the 
the jitta begins to become more stable even because the uh, energy is no longer you know, res- locked, resistant, or flaring. Emotional energy doesn't flare, it doesn't clog. So then the, the, the jitta states, they become independent of the bodily states. Give me a bodily energy. We use the bodily energy to, to heal uh, the, the jitta uh, effects. So the jitta effects become serene and steady. So when we practice with anapanasati, it's, it's uh, important to, to try to bear these things in mind. And um, what I'm suggesting is to always connect the physical to the energetic. So if one is just going to the physical without the energetic, the likelihood is that uh, one doesn't perceive the, 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 the subtle energy body. Um, one doesn't receive that particular healing. Meditation becomes uh, the separation between body and mind. We don't we don't find that place where they meet. Alternatively, if we don't have enough uh, access to the physicality, the, the corporeality of the body, likelihood is that the, the energies just spill, and we become overwhelmed with emotional states. find ourselves kind of just very overwhelmed. Um, so to try to bring the two together. And that as a basis uh, for, for what everyone's doing. Mm. Bringing the mind and the body together, we might say. So our standard of practice is like this. When we walk, we walk. When we sit, we sit. And you try to make everything, you know, get within that. And you, you find a way of walking and a way of sitting that fits you know, and does what, it, does what you need it to do. Mm. So that your mental attention and your mental attitudes can be held or measured or embraced, however you like to put it, within this physical form, you know, standing, walking, sitting. You know. And then in, in ordinary things we're doing, I find it very helpful and quite um, significant that I can be, you know, to actually bring my mind to bear on what I'm doing physically. This may sound like, well, everybody does that, don't they? But, um, you know, have you actually noticed opening a door? Have you noticed that? without making a big intense heavy thing about it, but your mind has actually been with the contact of opening the door and pulling it open. Um, I was just noticing this morning, uh, very early, I I generally do a little puja before I come over here. I was doing a puja this morning, my kuti. (coughs) And really recognizing when I I 
made various offerings to the shrine, actually my mind wasn't making any offering. The body was, but my mind wasn't with it. Wasn't, you know, I had to stop. And, and really, my, my mind wanted to, to, to have the body do these things and not be there with it. Just you know, do the things, make the offerings, feel you've done the right thing. And, I think, oh, just kind of, you know, and it was very compulsive, the, the, the push of the mind to just get the body to do it and leave me alone. Let me sleep, let me dream, let me not be here. What kind of offering is this? You know, so if you can really stop and deliberately think, you know, you know, I'll get hold incense, for example, long enough until my mind is not going to do it unless I start focusing on this. <laughs> and think, what, I'm, what am I doing? I'm offering this, and think of you know beings or particular beings or beings in general to make this offering to for their welfare. So, you know, and one feels that often in these particular ritual acts, where the mental t- attention is, is the whole point of it, can become what ritual can become in a negative sense. So ritualized, that our mind is not there, it's just automatically bonk, three bows, bonk, bonk, bonk. Bowing, you know, head on the ground, bowing. I mean, something that's quite a thing to do, isn't it? But one can find in the monastery, doing it 60 times a day or so, at least, that it becomes so automatic that mind is not there at all. Uh, We probably sometimes even forget how many you've done. I've done two or three. I'd better do another one, I suppose. (laughs) 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 Just in case. You don't want to look disrespectful. <laughs> and it's really, oh my, this is really embarrassing, is it? You are kind of, and these chant these words, you know, I offer my life to the Buddha, and they were, what is my God? You know, my mouth has just said that, <laughs> apparently, but I didn't hear it in my head. <laughs> Some of these chants, the words are actually very, very powerful if one, one's mind is with it. <coughs> But the mind uh, tends, you know, the karma is in the mind. The karma is the habit tendency. You know. The habit tendency. The habit it means automatic. Automatic means least, least effort, least attention. You know, want to apply as little, just attention that's really needed to get through this thing. That's all I need. Just that much attention, just to get through it. So it's not that we're totally out of it, but we're probably, um, I don't underestimate you good folks, uh, I am probably, you know, not there, not all there a lot of the time. Maybe 50%, 60%, 20% on the bad ones. It's quite an undertaking, isn't it? The mind structures are about, let me, you know, I'm moving towards the future. You know, let me get this over with so I can get to the next thing. The next thing's going to happen. You know, moving towards the future. Moving in terms of, is this nice or not? Let me be with what's nice and not with what I do. It's not nice. Is it pleasing? Is it praise? Will I be praised or blamed? You know? 
And all the various uh, drives that propel uh, the mind's awareness and attention to not be with what is happening. And we all have these very uh, agile, articulate and minds that can, can produce enormous wadges of dossiers, documentations to back up the, the, the karmic habits. Because we would tend to see, only see uh, the things that fit in with, our, with that, what our mind is feeling like at the moment. Depressed, we see the negative. Irritable, we see the irritating. Um, you know, joyful, we see the joyful. Mm. Joy arising, it does, it's like that when it's looking through the tinted, uh, tinted mind. So, but bringing ourselves into the, back into the present with the body, with bodily contact, being with one step at a time, being with what it takes to, to get a body to sit in a balanced way, and feeling that not well. Let me go, you know sit here, then I can get into something. That kind of tendency. Let me just find what it is to to sit, even you know, really back to very simple things. Can one sit for 15 minutes just finding out what it is to sit? What happens in the legs or the pelvis or the belly or the, or the chest or the ribs or the chin or the ears or the whole thing until the body is actually all with it. <coughs> and the mind is prepared to put its attention into being in a body. Not just thinking it's in the oh yeah I'm sitting here, but really being there with it. And it, when we lose it, to be prepared to okay I've lost it, you know I'm spun out now. Okay, let's get back here, right? Body sitting, ground standing, feet soles of feet pressure. Okay, there's that I've got that bit. Now see if we can kind of in the details and being prepared to have that, that sense of humility if you like or um, non-progress to, be able to kind of come back to, to this to, in order to get the alignment right because from what I've seen and uh, propose is that um, karmic habits can go on for a, a long long time if we don't know how to to um, pull out of them, and as much as one you know, can wish to pull out of them, and you know, think of pulling out of them, and determine to pull out of them, and commit oneself to pulling out of them, unless you actually have a means of doing so, it doesn't happen. Unless you have a means of doing so, it doesn't happen. Like the the Buddha saying, that the chicken that sits on its eggs, you know, the chicken doesn't sit on its eggs. It can think, oh, may my eggs hatch. Oh, how lovely it will be when my eggs hatch. I really want my eggs to hatch. Eggs should be hatched, and so on. But they don't hatch. 
it sits on its eggs, even if it doesn't think may they be hatched, it just sits, you know, just puts attention to sitting here on my eggs, they do hatch. You know, the, so the, the means, you know, and what it takes to bring the mind into contact with that, to be fully here. Because, you know, unlike the, you know, the chicken and the egg thing, the, the mind's presence is absolutely <coughs> necessary for <coughs> the proper bonding of, of, the, of the, what we call mental energy and physical energy. Mind's presence is, is, is absolutely paramount. So we can you know, sit here, say in a, even a very strong upright posture, if the mind's not there, then we, we don't come into uh, samadhi. Uh, we don't get the benefit of it. We become rigid. So one can also recognize some people emphasize posture. You know, they kind of zazen, you know, really there with the posture. And the only thing the mind is doing is going, hold it, hold it there, hold it there. You've got to do this, you know, don't get whacked with a stick or whatever it is. And actually, that's not going to do it because the mind hasn't entered and felt and touched and been touched by. It's just held in a view or an attitude. So, really, correct posture itself is is um, you know it's enlightening. Now, as we don't, we can't see, and we, we don't see very well uh, what's happening in our bodies, to our bodies, you have to feel it out. So, for example, when you're sitting, if you, find, you know, if you push downwards when you're sitting down through your seat, and you find you do that, your body pulls over, this means that you're sitting in a, in a bowed way. Because if you're sitting correctly, when you push down your body, your, your chest can actually rise up. So you can note like they're just kind of occasionally putting pressure vertically downwards and seeing what happens. So you should get a kind of something like your legs start to almost want to lift. If you really push down, it's like the knees start to want to lift and the upper body is pushed up. It's as if the spinal uh, curve is correct. If it's not correct and you push down, what happens is your chest comes forward. So you can just kind of practice like that. Just when you push down, does your does it lift your upper body or pull it down? Finding out um, whether your you know how your arms and hands meet. Um, so if you, if it's too far forward, so if your hand cradle of your hands is beyond the extent, beyond your lap, forwards, then your shoulders must be pulled forward. It should actually be resting as if the, if you're in a samadhi mudra, really like the fingers are touching the, the abdomen. So the arms are, are, shoulder brace is open and back. 
if you notice the way this picture of, of Lumpur Cha here is, is, is <coughs> a very good demonstration of, of, of good sitting position. You see the whole mood of the person, body, there's no tension there. It doesn't look like he's kind of sitting rigid. You have a good look at it. Uh, he's not actually even using, he doesn't seem to be using a cushion, he's just sitting on these um, bases of the, of the pelvis. And you can see that he looks, there's something quite relaxed and, and soft about that particular um, present image of him there. But he doesn't look, you know, loose either. So it's a very nice uh, presentation. You can see the way his head is, you see now. So he's not, he's not looking around, he's not looking out at things. So the eyes are downcast, but the head is not tipped forward. The, the, uh, there's just a slight tucking in of the chin. If you, so if you look at that, you can see he's not, his head is, is more or less straight. If you look at any of these Buddha images, there's the head is, the neck is, is connected to the back, the, the head, the face points forward, it doesn't tip. So when you open your eyes, what you can see is your knees and the carpet, probably means, <laughs> you know, your, your, your head is, is leaning forward. So to be able to find out, what does that feel like? And so that when the eyes are open, you see, Obviously, bodies are are different, but can we recognise the particular quality of of energy that's present? The idea really is is not to produce classic photographs of, of, of meditation posture, but to find out a way of of working with the body, recognising what these habits can do, uh, the energy habits can do. So we're at least not uh, buying into them. Mm. Connecting the energy to to the, the just the physical tissues is, is what breathing in and out can do for us. Feeling the sensations of breathing, the physical sensations, and the energy, and keeping the two wedded bonded together. So when we breathe out, we don't find ourselves disappearing. You know, you can feel the physical form there. When you breathe in, you don't find yourself kind of cascading outwardly. You've got the physical skin, the sensations of the skin, the physical form to, to be there with. So and that, that is the... Um, the crucial thing, and you know, if we can't do this in breathing, then to do it just by scanning the body, feeling out particular the whole bodily form, or standing or walking. You do walking meditation, keeping the mind within the body means that we have to be aware of the ideas of you know the end of the path. 
or how long uh, and these things which pull us out into into the leaning forward uh, which takes us out, out of the body uh, being able to discern the movements in the hips, in the back the whole bodily experience as you move along and probably with walking one of the most useful things is to single thing to remember is to guard the eyes so the eyes are kept soft and um, open the eyes will tend to run out a lot of energy runs out of the eyes to see things and the energy runs out and sees things then we see oh there's so many things around here I can't do walking meditation too many things disturb me because you know so then it becomes externalized they they disturb you because you're out there in a disturbable place if you don't if you control or come into contact with with what's happening in your eyes soften your gaze things can't they can't get you (coughs) so we might find ourselves also becoming pinpointed gaze where the gaze gets rigid and tight and this is associated with tension in the forehead so you can find yourself getting a bit knotted with that Uh, what I'd recommend is is a half open or gently open diffused uh, gaze just so that you can allow things to enter what needs to what you need to see comes in but you're not pushing out through the eyes the other you know to, to switch channels if you like on a similar topic the other channel that is very useful I find for energy balance is using the Brahma Vihara which is much more where the mind leads and say developing the sense of extending one's sphere of awareness from this being to what's around me so feeling this body being this body and the sense of the well-being of this physical form Now there is an interest in that. Um, if there's no interest in it, then we have to, um, you know, well, this is there's no interest in our own well well-being. And then we have to remember or recollect uh, times and situations where other people had interest in our well-being. It can be we've got it's so chron- become so chronically uh, maladjusted that uh, th- there's no apparent um, mental interest in our own well-being you think well so what body well so what you know, here I am well so what you know. uh, and then then okay if you can't then to, to remember occasions and times that other people were kind 
or generous or helpful or forgiving. And then feel what that felt like to receive that. Just, just the vibration of it, taking that in. Until one can begin to tune into that, that level. And then we may feel perhaps there's others who engender that particular mood in ourselves. Uh, people in pain, in suffering, near, dear, uh, relatives, and so forth. Uh, these may be places where we can start. Ideally, you know, from whichever end of the spectrum you start, you move towards the other. That is, you, you equalize so that from the very core of this apparent being to what's immediately around me physically, what's around me in terms of my perceptions and associations. Is there anything there that's um, resisting, uh, fearful, um, vindictive, guilty? Uh, you know, can I feel those disturbances and start to smooth them out, forgive, release, be generous? You know? uh, and so just sweeping through the sphere of one's heart awareness, one's relational field, if you like. How do I relate to myself? Is there anything that's mean, half-hearted, ungiving about my attitude towards myself? What's that feel like? Mm. So it feels like that. Maybe a down tone, a flat tone, unresponsiveness. So perhaps I need to remember how I felt towards another person or how another person acted in a kind way towards myself. And so bring that particular energy in until you one works with freeing up that, that uh, absence of heart. And that unfortunately is, is quite a telling term the absence of heart the heart absents itself from our own presence so when we come into our own presence there's a sort of down and it becomes something so normal that we felt oh, this is this is the real me. <laughs> you know, other people may think I'm wonderful, but I know the real truth. You know? That kind of thing. We're not trying to make these things into permanent selfhood, but to to be able to rescue the heart, the tonality. I don't have to have all kinds of performances to prove how wonderful I am, but I can perhaps learn to bestow some grace and some kindness and some, you know, well, let's support you attitude towards this being. Metta, it's a nourishing quality. Feed feed the beast, you know, if he's a bit bit niggly today, well, let's see how we can, you know, (laughs) cheer him up, ease him out, you know, rather than, you know, grumpy old so-and-so. So that rather like that and karuna is the protective you know, sort of like arms around to, to 
to shelter and protect from malice and from hard-heartedness and from dismissiveness and from you-don't-countness and all that. And punishment, which we can inflict upon ourselves subtly and in obvious ways. (coughs) Mudita is the quality of enjoyment, mingling, merging, enjoying that. Peka is like a, a dissolving a serene, serene quality of no, no positions, no views. These are, these are not just nice sentiments, they are actually profound ways of realigning uh, our energy, subtle energy, through, through the mental base. If there's no metta for yourself, then that will definitely affect your physical form in the short term and long term. Short term is neglect, uh, abuse, uh, substance abuse, uh, things of this nature, this, this kind of thing. Well, that's, that's, this is the long term. Long term is like that. Short term is, is, is a kind of flattening. Uh, lowness of energy, uh, lowness of attitude towards the body. One becomes dismissive of it, uh, indifferent to its welfare. These are things that are perhaps uh, in some ways quite subtle. Noticing myself yesterday, I was brewing up some herbs for my to deal with my um, sinuses and chest. You know. Conditions. How I, you know, I put quite a bit of attention to it. I thought, well, let's try and do this really well, you know. So I sort of chopped up a little bit of ginger and I got some herbs and I blew it up. And it still wasn't as nice as if somebody else did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, this is a lot better than five years ago when I wouldn't have bothered at all. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> five years ago, let it rot, you know. I'll throw a pill down now and then. Actually, some sense of really putting for ten minutes of work I didn't want to bother with because I've got more important things to do. You know, essentially look after this body. Let's just do this as a practice. Not something you're good at. Okay, do it as a practice. There's something slightly dutiful about it, but. Well, it's a little better. We're getting there. We're getting along there. Mm. And just the, the being able to take the time to take it, you know, do something that, you know, my inclination is not particularly interested in, but doing it as a practice of moment, mindful attention, and trying to get into the the what this is about. You know, this is about bringing welfare. Healing, kindly attention. Mm. You know, if I was obsessed with my health, it might be good to just relinquish it. But tendency tends to be tends to be the other way. Mm. So, in, in both informal practice, anapanasati, body sweeping, Brahma Vihara, and in in the way one attends to one's bowl, caringly, 
and drugs caringly, one's room, you know, with a careful, non-obsessive thing. One's fellow summoners, you know, were probably coughing and snorting and sneezing in your ear while you're meditating and all that kind of thing. Just <laughs> to you know, to realize that you know, we have to find the way to to you know, to bring our our uh, bodies and minds into into non-afflictive um, energies, non-resisting, non-obsessive, and it, it's this um, it's, an, it's an immediate uh, and, a, and a crying need. <coughs>